Welcome back into the Fantasy Sanctuary. We're back with another best ball show. And this time we've got somebody who I class as a real friend in the best ball community, James Brimacombe of Football Guys. If you've dra drafted a best ball team in the last few years, there's a very good chance at some point you've run into Eagles in the draft room. James, this feels like your time of year. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, it feels like a long off season already and we're just in June. So yeah, <laughs> I'm great. Yeah, just busy with running kids around and doing all that kind of stuff. And I got two boys doing the hockey thing so we're at the rink almost every day so if i'm yeah, not I mean, drafting best ball i'm at the hockey rink <laughs> so as well as being a, a serial grinder in the best ball drafts for the nfl you you kind of multi-sport as well how much do you prefer like is is nfl your true love when it comes to best ball is the nhl where you really kind of like just get drawn back to well, I, yeah, I grew up in Toronto, Canada, so I spent like my first half of my life there. Um, hockey was a big part of my life, and that's like I didn't even know football. My older brother, he kind of introduced me to football, probably my teens, and that's kind of when I fell in love with it. And yeah, when I moved to the U.S., you know, it's football or bust here. Like, yeah, nothing else matters. So, uh, yeah, so that's I, I like all the sports. I like I. I mean, I follow all the sports, but it's hard to keep up on everything. And yeah, I, I kind of view all the best ball sports on underdog and whatnot as kind of like a bankroll management kind of portfolio to help my NFL portfolio end of day. So that's kind of why I dive into all those streets, um, chase some overlay and stuff like that. But. Yeah, so you kind of touched on it, but one thing that's definitely sets you apart from a lot of people is you're a real high volume drafter. I mean, you've had success on multiple different platforms and multiple different types of contests. Can you tell me a bit about when you first started drafting in a high volume, like when it really lured you into those kind of like, okay, one draft isn't enough. I need, you know, this is so much fun. I'm just going to keep firing. I think it's just we fall in love with the, with the draft in general. Um, back in the day, just redrafts and, I couldn't get enough of them and I couldn't get, and I started getting a dynasty and I got in, you know, 10 plus teams. I did IDP. I did all the stuff. I tried it. I tried it all. And, you know, I was trying to work the waiver wire for 20 plus teams or whatever. And it, it just got exhausting. And, you know, I, I saw people talk about MFL tens and things like that. So I, I jumped in a few of those. Um, and I was like, Oh wow, this is, this opened my eyes. And, you know, the first year, I think I did maybe 10 or 20 of them. Uh, next year, maybe 100. And then then uh, draft came along and everything else has followed. And it's just been, you know, hundreds of them. And yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of what I do. So it, it's a lot of fun. It's a hobby. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> for me, drafting like I, I used to play a lot of fantasy Premier League being based in England, like before I got involved with fantasy football and then the first time I drafted it was home league on nfl.com mm. and it was five minutes per pick and I look back now at that like five minutes per pick it took us all night and <laughs> now when you've got 30 seconds on the clock you just become very in tune with the draft so quite often you do multiple drafts at the same time to kind of get the kind of volume that you're looking to get what kind of little tricks or you know cheats have you found that really help you be able to draft when you draft in four or five teams at once um yeah so i know i know people love the desktop drafting and that's a big thing there's a lot of tools out there there's a lot of add-ons you can you can put in um you know they're big week 17 guys they're this or that they they believe in fully um for me it's more um 
I love my phone. I, that's where I draft from, and that's where I can draft. You know, I could draft up to ten teams at a time if I had to, and that's just not on just underdog. Like I can have a one going on DK and one or two going on drafters, and you know, like four or five on underdog, and that's kind of you just you just kind of get to know the ADPs, you get to know your rankings. Um, so I'll, I'll do all those, and then once once they're all complete, I kind of scroll through and look at them, look at my player exposures. Um, see where I'm at, see I'm who high on, who too low. Um, maybe I do five drafts in a row and I keep getting the same guy. So then I might bump him down five spots in my rankings. And then I'm only getting them the next time, two out of five times, which is great because I'm getting the value. Um, so I'm always like evaluating uh, what what I'm drafting, what I'm seeing in the draft rooms. And and that's kind of why I like the, the high volume. Um, and we're seeing it now. It's just... ADP just shifts every day. So, so it's just like a huge cycle all, all off season. Um, and maybe I'm not on Alexander Madison now, but yeah, I, I was in those early tournaments when he's in the hundreds ADP. So it's just back and forth. And, and that's, that's the beauty of it. That's fun. We're just playing the markets kind of, kind of deal. Yeah, we've got a few good people in the chat. We've got Nez, we've got Pengs there. Davis, who does great work over with Hope on their channel, and shout out to Chris as well. Davis, throwing in a quick question for you, James. Any traditions that you may have helped you win big money? I don't know, something like an Applebee's lunch with someone just spitballing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, it, it really is just, just having friends in the community, having good quality people, um, being positive. Um, shutting out the negativity out there and just, you know, like I, people can say I'm wrong a lot and I, I appreciate that. I want you to tell me, it's just like, Hey, I kind of, I kind of view this this way. I think maybe you should look at this and like that to me goes a long way. Like those are the kind of things I love. Uh, you know, Davis, I've known him for a few years and it's back and forth like that where we're just friends and we're not offended when I say, I don't know what player does Davis love. He always loves some really DK bad Metcalf, players. Nashi oh. Harris this year. Oh yeah, I like both those guys. See, he's war on me. So. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a really good point. Like finding people you can talk to regularly, and you can talk, and you can understand where they're coming from, and have intelligent conversations. But disagreeing doesn't matter. It's such a important whether that's in Discord, whether that's group DMs on Twitter, which I know we're a part of probably one of my favorite places to talk best ball. And it really matters like just actually hearing different opinions because if you're just spending time listening to content, if you're just reading the same site all the time, it gets very easy to end up being severely overexposed to a player because that person, no matter how good an analyst they are, it can be very easy to just have their takes rub off on you. Um, is there any particular sort of levels of player exposure that you find like you just want to stay away from or are players where you just like you can never have too much of them? Um, that's a great question. I think, honestly, it is... I don't think I have complete fades out there, but then I run my numbers and then I look at them. I'm, I'm low on some players, you know, and I was like, Oh, I didn't realize I was low on those players. I didn't realize I didn't like them. Um, so then I kind of evaluate and I think I put out a tweet yesterday, just kind of all my low exposure guys and the uh, community was great sharing some, like some points to me and who I maybe should start looking at some more. So 
Yeah, I don't know if I have a number. I don't like to completely fade anyone. Um, I, I'll, I'll draft anybody at a at a cost, you know, at a price, and and that's that that's my volume drafting mindset. Where, uh, and that's why I kind of I don't push back on week seventeen. It's fine if you want to do it, but I don't have the time to do that, and I don't have I don't know. That's this is just not my thing. I'd rather look at my ownerships and I'd rather mix and match players in. And I think naturally I'm just going to, if I make the finals, I make the finals. Like, I don't think it's one of those things I have to scope out and, and build just for that week where, um, and I know you say I'm a value or a volume drafter value and volume drafter, I guess, but I do play more of the lower stake stuff. Um, anytime I see like the five dollars and under, like that's that that's my jam. That's where I want to be. Uh, so, so a lot there is other volume drafters out there doing you know twenty five plus. They want all those big contests, and honestly, they're probably you're gonna have a better chance to to win on those ones because uh, the fields are a lot lower and your odds are gonna be better that way. But yeah, I'm just drafting hundreds, couple thousand teams, and trying to hit hit one out of the park. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And I think, I mean, it's, it's such a good point about, like, you know, finding the contest size that are right for you. Because this year, I mean, it's just kind of, it's just blowing up. It's so mm-hmm. crazy. You know, there's over $35 million of prize money on the table as things stand at the minute. And it can be very easy. You know, we're sitting here in June. The drafts have been open for over a month now. And, you know, if you're not careful about choosing the right contest for yourself, it can be very easy to end up in a situation where by August you're suddenly starting to go, okay, well, that's my DFS part of money or that was money I didn't really want to put in. Are you are you staying pretty much in the puppies and those kind of sub $5 ones this year? I know obviously DraftKings have got their $3 contest. Drafters have got their $3 contest. And then are you just mixing in a sprinkling of Best Ball Mania and bits like that? Uh, yeah, so... I... I've been doing the kind of the high volume drafting for probably this is my maybe fourth year doing it kind of at the higher level. But yeah, I think it's just finding looking back at what worked last year and the year before and seeing where I succeeded. Um, and then I attack kind of those kind of contests more so. Um, and I also, I'm, I've been trying to train my mind to each contest is a separate separate contest and separate tournament and i want to change up my draft strategies in in each one of those um so i might have 30 percent exposure to one player in one tournament and the next tournament i enter maybe zero exposure you know so things like that i'm looking at more um but yeah the five dollar those are fantastic uh I, I do like Best Ball Mania as well, but it's one, it's like my nemesis. I've never <laughs> made the finals in there, and I've fired shots at that ever since it opened. Um, and last year I did I did uh, max that, that contest and zero entries in the finals, you know? So it, it's a tough, it's a tough one. And last year I also advanced more teams ever in in that best one mania in the through the in the playoff rounds but still zero in the in the finals so i I think it's really one of the beauties of best ball it's like you know no matter how much you think you can crack the code from roster construction or even if you hit on the right players best ball owes you nothing and if if you don't get the right kind of slice of luck in week 15 16 and 
you know, creep your way into the final, then it can be really difficult to ever kind of hit beer. I mean, even Pat Corain's talked about his team that won the two million last year. He needed a healthy dose of luck on it. Um, <clears throat> with, I mean, yeah, a healthy so- dose of luck. He had to have a game get canceled, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, I would say so. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get into a draft in a minute and we are going to just keep things slow and only go with one at a time so I get your thoughts whilst we're doing it. Yeah. Um, do you want to tell people a little about what you've kind of do with football guys in terms of the best ball stuff you've been doing over there? Uh, yeah, so my main thing there is uh, rankings. I'm a big part of uh, we're we're coming up with a new ranking system there, so we sh- it should be it's kind of in the works and a work in progress right now, but yeah, we're going to have some nice rankings there for everyone. Um, best ball related as well. Um, we did a best ball uh, guide here in the summer. So that's that's out to the public. It's like 60 plus pages, some game theory, some basic stuff for beginners. Uh, if you're looking to get into the space um, and draft a few teams, I think it's it's worthwhile, worth your read. Um, yeah, so I've been working on that stuff. And then there's probably going to be some articles along the way as well. So. Yeah, that best ball guide that you mentioned, it's completely free, isn't it? So if people haven't already checked it out, it's well worth it. There's some excellent stuff in there. Uh, So we'll get going into a draft in just a second. I'll bring that up. So we are going to be drafting in the DraftKings DK Millie Maker. This $10 entry. We're going to jump in now if anyone's wanting to jump in with us. Two spaces, so not too many left over. Have you uh, entered too many contests? Have you entered many entries in this yet, James? Um, so I have actually maxed all the stuff under the $10 mark or the single entry stuff. So on DK, I kind of got those out of the way. And now I've kind of been doing, you know, one every other day here. So I, I did three today just to kind of get a feel for the room and get ready for it. So I think I'm up to 21 of these. Um, okay. The nice. DK, yeah, probably a little less than you. So Yeah, I'm at about 30. I think like, I've been kind of grinding a little too much actual content and not doing enough drafts so i'm just i was trying to stay away from slows but i entered a bunch of slows yesterday and uh just have to take it so we're going to be picking a pick 11 right behind michael harry who's quite often in these drafts was does some great data visualization for established run let us know if you're in the chat if you're also in with us and while you're here we are closing in 800 subscribers i need you to go over there and click about 84 percent of people watching stuff on this channel and not subscribed, but loads of you keep coming back for more. So keep hit that subscribe button over next week. We've got Colin Kelly of Rotoviz. We've got next week, I'm doing a solo show where I'll be hitting on some of the stuff from the DraftKings Millie Maker final last year and things that worked. And then a week on Wednesday, we've got Pete over there. Best ball month in June. This is it. We're just going to keep rolling. Have you found so far this year, James, that you've got a particular spot that you prefer drafting from? um honestly because i do so many i just i like all the spots it doesn't matter give me any spot and i'll i'll figure it out and it gives me different combos um i looked at the last two years you know and oh, i want a top five pick you know and i get jt you know and those te- none of those teams are make you one dollar at the end of it so it, it i don't <laughs> think it matters like i think it depends more on how you construct that whole team. So yeah, give us, give us number one, give us number 12 and yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, definitely with you on that. It's like, you know, you, you look at what's there at the top and they're great players, but so much of it, 
when you're picking on returns, it gets very easy to fall into similar roster yeah. constructions to other players as well. I found last year in particular that every time I was picking from a 101, I seemed to be getting T Higgins early on. I had to force myself to really change things up. Michael in the chat, we were in a row of his Listener League contest earlier on today, which was very different pace to this, with 60 seconds on the clock. But uh, yeah, so I'll pull up a draft board so we can see that see whether we get a nice normal DraftKings draft or whether we see like five quarterbacks going the first round or so. Have you found, you know, coming from underdog and drafters, do you feel like DraftKings is getting smarter or do you feel like it's still a way behind the pace of what underdog is like? Um, honestly, I think it's fun because it's 20 rounds and there's bonuses and it's just, it's a little different. Mm-hmm. So I like, I like the change up and that's why I love on underdog when they, when they put out a new contest or a new thing like that, you got to figure it out. So like, I enjoy that. I enjoy that part. I think if you're good at what you do, I think 20 rounds isn't a, is a big advantage to you. Like I know some people push the other way. I think 18 rounds, you know, it's quicker and you got to be smarter with each pick, but I like the 20 rounds. I like what you can do. Um, but I think, yeah, DK's got a lot better, um, and a lot of volume there. So it's fun. Sometimes you're going to get really bad drafters because they're new and they don't know what they're doing. But Yeah, so we're about to pick Michael's before us, and he took Amara St. Brown. So Bijan Robinson, C.D. Lamb, Saquon Barkley, Devontae Adams, Garrett Wilson at the top. Anybody in particular you'd like to bang the table for, James? Um, I'll, I'll let you. I mean, if you want to make the first pick – I. Yeah, you're probably, I think you're more a receiver heavy kind of to start your drafts, maybe. Uh, yeah, but I've been drafting a lot of Bijan Robinson. Uh, I'm going to go, let's go with him because he slipped a couple of points past ADP. And I just feel like soon he's going to end up by about pick six by the time the summer rolls around. But yeah, I mean, I I feel like what one thing I came away from last year feeling was that lots of things worked. Um, so we're back on the clock now, Saquon. Garrett Wilson, Jalen Hurts, Jonathan Taylor, Jalen Waddle, or of course Nick Chubb. Yeah, see, I, I like all those guys. I like Barkley, Taylor. I like Taylor a lot. Like, I think I know people are pushing the other way on him, so I'm pushing back the other way. But he does have the same bye week, so there's a thing there. If you care about that, you could go Garrett Wilson here, maybe just to go one and one, and we'll work our way out. Okay, let's go Garrett Wilson. I do like Jonathan Taylor, but your point about like yeah, two players on the same bye week. It's if I take two in the first two picks, two running backs in the first two picks. I'm I'm looking at no more than five running backs and it gets kind of dicey. Like you get into a situation where guys who you're picking in like round 12 are going to need to make starts for you. But yeah, I mean, Bijan Robinson and Garrett Wilson start draft definitely feels nice. <laughs> Davis in the chat saying, thank yeah. God I suck and only do 18 rounds. Yeah. But it, it definitely does feel different. I mean, last year when I came out to America and I was drafting on underdog for the first time, Players who I was used to drafting consistently in the last two rounds on DraftKings, they're just not there on underdog. And you really have to be a little, not necessarily smart, but you have to be a little more aware that you need to get your guys when you're going to get your guys to round out the drafts. But here it feels like, you know, you can get to round 19, round 20 and just scroll all the way down and try to get really different at times. Is that something you find yourself doing on drafters and DraftKings, try to get really obscure with the last picks? Um, I need to be better at that. I don't really. I, I, I mean, I, I have like 20 guys there at the end that I kind of mix and match depending on how my build's looking. 
but I don't I don't really shy away from them. And then maybe one guy will get steamed up and they'll start going right around 17 or whatever. And then then I'm out on him and then I, I, I bring in a new guy into my portfolio, you know. So that's kind of how I do it with all year round. So like an example of this. Uh, someone brought it up in a tweet I sent, like Jerome Ford, you know? So, yeah, he was a 20-round guy for me or a 19-round guy. And now he's like the 16th-round guy. He's like, okay, I'm done with him. And now I'll, I'll bring in a new guy that I want. Maybe it's Malik Davis in Dallas or Joshua Kelly and Chargers. Like, I'm trying to – and I want, like, those those kind of players. I want them on good teams as well uh, and their situation, like a depth chart situation to be pretty decent. Like, I don't want them third or fourth on the depth chart. I, I kind of want them closer to that second. Um, and then, yeah, so, yeah, there's there's always a lot of guys at the end. I try to look at my exposures to make sure I'm not 20% on one of those guys because I think that's bad. Yeah, Matt Collins, love him. So. Yeah, I've definitely gotten drawn into wrong players. And sometimes it can be easy to just end up going, okay, well, I've got Jalen Hurts, so I'll take Quintus Cephas or someone like that, somebody who who correlates or whatever. But trying to scroll down and just find those slightly different players is something that I do try to do more often because I think there's definitely, you know, every year by the time that we get to September, we're going to know far more information about these players. So that's when a lot of those players are going to really jump up and, Perhaps some of them are worth chasing and some aren't worth chasing. Um, but yeah, so this draft's played out pretty sensibly so far. Nothing too renegade over here. We've got, you know, a Mahomes and Kelsey stack. We've got Josh Allen going in the middle of a third round, which seems about where he's kind of sliding to. I mean, he's coming up to that point where people can almost stack him with digs with a third round pick, which yeah, that kind of storm. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of feels like the kind of floor for where he'll get to. So we are one pick away, two picks away, and it's DK Metcalf, Travis Etienne, Najee Harris, Debo Samuel, DeAndre Hopkins, Jameer Gibbs, Keenan Allen. Anybody kind of standing out to you as player that you love in this range, James? Uh, yeah, I, I'm a big DK. Like, I think yeah, he has potential. And DK just went before us. Yeah, and I'm also a Najee Harris, like a huge fan of him as well this year. Uh, he's somebody I find difficult to click and okay, really? I end up taking, but I'm I'm happy to do so because he's somebody that if I'm wrong, I'm going to be you taking, wrong. Are you taking ETN over him? Because I, I think Najee's like a full round ahead of ETN. I don't, I def, I def, I've taken zero yet yet so far. Yeah. Like, okay. I found there myself recently, like, I'm kind of more drawn to like the wide receivers a little later, Jerry Judy, Christian Kirk, and that. Um, we're See, back I'm, on the clock. Debo is my guy here, so like I'm always getting Debo around here. So, so Debo, somebody that I was off on, and it's like this week I was kind of writing something about players who could bounce back this year, and I've been pretty much fading the Niners' offense in general. But it feels like if Brock Purdy's there, then Debo Samuel led the team in target share last year. He saw more rush attempts when Christian McCaffrey had actually been. <laughs> on the field at the same time. So the arguments against him, I just I, I ran out of arguments for reasons not to draft him. So now I'm trying to correct that before I imagine when Brock Purdy is declared as healthy, we're going to see Debo Samuel possibly creep into the third round a bit more often. 
Um, have you been drafting much Brock Purdy? I know that you correctly in many ways faded Trey Lance over the last few years. Uh, see, see, that's the thing where I think Debo is the value because, like you said, we don't know who the starting quarterback is there, and like people are even saying like Sam Darnold is in consideration, right? So I'm a complete fade on every single 49ers QB, but I love Debo. I love Ayuk. Um, I'm kind of faded Kittle too, but that's for not because I don't like Kittle. That's just a position thing. Uh, we can get into that later, but. I like the 49ers. Oh, I'm fading CMC too, kind of just because he's too expensive in my opinion. <laughs> and he went one on one in our draft. So, <laughs> yeah, I think it's just like, you know, we haven't really seen a huge sample size of what it's going to look like when Elijah Mitchell's healthy as well. And you know, Christian McCaffrey struggled with injuries over mm-hmm. the years. And I, I, I hate labeling players injury prone, but the paths to McCaffrey uh, not paying off. A top three pick just seem a lot easier than Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and I, I'm even taking Cooper Cup ahead of Christian McCaffrey, which has led to me having like 27% Cooper Cup so far through like 30, 40 drafts or so. Yep, but uh, I'm on the same same field as you there. Um, I do, and I know you, that was one of the questions you asked at the start: is do I have a favorite spot? It's like if I had to pick, I would pick like a top two pick. Obviously, you get Jefferson or Chase, and it's just easy. But even a third taking Cup or a fourth taking Tyreek, like I'm fine, like top four pick. Like I kind of want those receivers in the first round. Um, and then the second round, as you see in this draft, you got Barkley, Taylor, Chubb. Like any three of those guys should probably be a first round pick. Yeah, I think – you know, in about six weeks' time, when we're kind of in the training camp, I kind of really think Jonathan Taylor's going to be right around that turn, and I think Saquon will be right, you know, around one ten to one twelve as well. I think it's really going to creep up. Um, I think it'd be interesting to see how high Tony Pollard gets pushed, depending on what you know what reports are like with him, because he just feels like one of those kind of players who's been fashionable. He paid off last year, and. You know, he was efficient last year. You know, he did everything he did on like 15 touches a game while Zeke had 17. So maybe he is a first-round talent, but maybe he doesn't quite get there. So we're a couple of picks away. So through four rounds, we've got Bijan, Najee Harris, Garrett Wilson, and Debo Samuel. So we can kind of go a lot of different ways here. Um, we've got a couple of picks before us. We've got Novo in the chat. We've got, I like the San Francisco offense. I think CMC is good so i'm in at cost prefer around one wide receiver that's pretty much exactly where i'm at like i will end up probably with five to eight percent cmc but right now i just feel like cups price is just too appealing uh so we're one pick away uh anybody in particular who you like here james uh, i like chris godwin i like I mean, and DK, what I've noticed is QBs go pretty quick. So, like a Trevor Lawrence here, I know you don't have a stack, but I like that as well. Um, yeah, I mean, we could backdoor something. Let's see if should we see if Trevor Lawrence comes back to us. Maybe take Godwin here. Yeah, I, I like that. Okay, yeah. So, and then we can always look at Adam Evan Ingram or Zay Jones. I don't think anyone's expecting Zay Jones to do the same as he did last year, but I think he can definitely be a decent wide receiver this year and you know it's by no certain thing that uh so trevor lawrence does come back should we take him 
Uh, that's up to you. I mean, you can't stack him if you want to go that direction. I just think he's going to be better for your build going forward. Uh, DK, DK, I actually like taking just two QBs, but getting like two, if you can get like a Trevor Lawrence and a Deshaun Watson and just be done. Yeah. uh, It opens up the back of your drafts a lot, especially 20 rounds. Um, you only, then you, you take two QBs there. It's an 18 round draft, but you don't have to take a QB, you know? So yeah, it's really fun with your construction later. Uh, opens a lot of windows there for you. So we've got Davis in the chat saying, uh, sell me on Nick Chubb. <laughs> <laughs> He's not really good because he doesn't catch passes and uh, there was a backup <laughs> or something. Well, oh, we're yeah. certified Nick Chubb fans in these parts. And yeah, yeah I mean, I think, James, you kind of led the course last year. For You brought me on to Nick Chubb, really, in terms of, okay, well, look where he's going at that sort of 2-3 turn, and it paid off nicely. And this year, with Kareem Hunt out of the picture and with it seemingly just Nick Chubb and Jerome Ford, how high do you think Nick Chubb should get into the first round, really? I know you're happy to take him at the 101 to raise a few eyebrows every now and again, but where would you start to go okay maybe that's a smidge too high um i think he's better in pollard like i i like his upside better in pollard i think people are pretty high on pollard and they just think he's a smash but i still think there's a lot of questions with him um i, I do like him i still draft him but yeah for me i like chubb i like chubb over henry um i kind of like chubb over barkley which they're kind of side by side uh i think chubb's like a one two turn and I think he'll get up, pushed up there, like Jonathan Taylor, Barkley, or Chubb, or Bijan. I think you're fine taking any of those guys, and they're all very similar. And yeah. I would just kind of mix and match them, maybe. Um, so- I, I don't think Jerome Ford – like, I'm not afraid of Jerome Ford. And I wasn't afraid of Kareem Hunt last year. So. <laughs> <laughs> How much Chubb across the portfolio? 69%? <laughs> uh, I mean – He's actually my third highest running back, so you know, so that's that's kind of sad, I guess. But yeah, sounds good. Uh, so we've got another chat question from Michael. Um, for a lot of time, I was reluctant to stray too far from ADP, especially early in the draft. But recently, in this range, round five to six, been more willing to reach to get a stack. That's definitely how I feel. I think you know we're seeing these quarterbacks being pushed up. We're seeing you know the wide receivers. You want to make sure you've got them early on and for the sake of getting a stack which you feel happy with i feel particularly on 20 rounds you can probably make up for it later on is that kind of how you're building uh similar yeah similar um yeah kind of always depends kind of how how the draft goes what position you are in the draft you know who who's in the room with you if you have a guy that's side by side with you that you know he's kind of drafting similar to you those are always kind of tough um so yeah definitely i mean Knowing your draft rooms, big, you know, it's a big benefit, and it's something that, particularly if you draft them and you recognize names in the room, like I mentioned earlier, I was doing a roll of his draft, and I didn't take wide receivers when I should have. Um, before I knew it, I mean, I think I ended up with uh, Brandon Ayuk as my wide receiver too, and just chasing the draft of the rest of the way. I mean, I have Brandon Ayuk as my wide receiver two in a lot of drafts. I've had him as my wide receiver one in a bunch of drafts too. So <laughs> people love people love the wide receivers. So yeah, like 
you post any team that doesn't have like five receivers drafted in the first seven picks, uh, Twitter will hate that team. So, I, I mean, definitely on underdog over here, it's kind of like it's a little more relaxed on DK, but yeah, it's like if you don't get to five by round 10, it feels like you're chasing your tail a little bit. With two picks away here, uh, Isaiah Pacheco, Rashad White, Deshaun Watson, Brandon Cooks, Alvin Kamara, Evan Ingram, Jahan Dotson, and then that sort of Dak Prescott and David Montgomery. Uh, we could take Evan Ingram. We don't have a tight end yet, which would give us a little stack with Lawrence, and I'd be all right with that. I don't feel like we need huge stacks on DraftKings. You see a lot of different type of constructions build. Uh, do you want to go with Eng- Ingram here, James? Uh, I'm uh, Dotson. That's that's the way I would lean. I would let's, go another receiver here. Well, I'm going to assume that that's because it'll give you this sort of week 16, 17 correlation, which I know you. Oh yeah, see, that, that leads all your drafts. <laughs> uh, honestly, I haven't even been looking at that. So I know you said <laughs> I was low on one player, and I said, "Oh yeah, there's your percentages." So that's nice. <laughs> yeah, this this spike week overlays, and I I definitely find it ha- handy. I find like. But when you draft with this and then go back to drafting on the app, you can definitely feel like you're missing pieces of a puzzle sometimes because I get lazy with it. Whereas last mm. year, I knew all this kind of playoff fixtures off the top of my head. So that if there was a tie break and I wanted to break it by playoff stuff, it was easily done. But this year, I'm very lazy. Uh, Engram makes it back around. Do you want to take him here? Um, see, I will. I mean, I know you like love the stacks. So I know you're like that's the, like. Hey, I don't mind like, getting weird here. We've got 15 oh. seconds. So yeah, uh, yeah. Go anyone else? Go. I mean, I would probably go Dak here and just be done at quarterback. So let's it's, do Dak's that. An uh, unpo- he's an unpopular pick too. So yeah, I think it's very easy to see a path for Dak to have a much better season this year. Like some of the interceptions he had, I can't remember the stat, but I was reading something this week that basically suggested that he got very unlucky with the turnovers he did have. Um, I think that the Cowboys, as much as they say they want to be really run heavy, there's only so much they can do when Tony Pollard and Malik Davis are your only options. So they've got C.D. Lamb, you know, they've got Michael Gallup, they've got Brandon Cook. So that is a team that is set up to be at a pass. And if it means that Dak Prescott ends up being efficient instead of high volume, then I'll take that all day and i Definitely don't mind that. And yeah, I, I probably do lean into stacks a little more than I should at times. I think it's very easy to break ties between stuff like that. When you're on the clock and you know you're drafting four or five teams at once, do you break ties off things like stacks? Or are you more just often relying on your rankings and trusting them to bring you a better team overall? Uh, see, I think DK is a little bit different than underdog when I'm used to because DK, I just noticed like I want my QBs and I want two decent QBs and then I just want to be done. Um, tight end, I just don't value, and that's why I mean, if that was Kirk or Ridley late or like earlier in the draft, then we're on the clock, then it's like, yeah, okay, I want to stack them with Lawrence, but here, like Ingram, like his, his breakout might have been last year, like I don't. I don't. I'm not thinking he's gonna have the same kind of season, the same stats. But Jacksonville's just loaded up with players across the board on the whole offense. That's why I'm okay with Lawrence. Um, even if we don't get a stack, you still have Zay Jones. You have Tank Big Bigsby. Like people don't like to stack QB with running back, but those are things that I'm I'm liking to do more so. 
Um, as far as Dak goes, it's I actually love all the negativity around the offense. Uh, McCarthy, what he's saying. I love like the Calamar one to the Chargers, you know. So it's, everyone's just assuming, all right, they're not going to pass. They're going to pass 12 times a game, you know. And and it just keeps his value keeps going down and down and down. I mean, Jerry Jones is the guy there. Lamb's there. Gallup's there. Cooks is there. Ferguson could be a breakout. Like they're going to pass the ball and you're, you're getting a discounted player. Um, the Cowboys are good offense. So, um, I yeah. But. For me, for me, I think like Dak is clearly a tier above kind of Kirk Cousins, probably in a similar range to Tua if Tua's healthy. But I find myself clicking Dak more often with Sean Watson. I think I'm expecting him to be better this year than he was last year, and the Browns to be more pass happy. But it just feels easy because you know what to expect from Dak, and I feel like that's there's more good than bad with him. Um, so through nine rounds, we've got two quarterbacks, two running backs, and four wide receivers. Kind of in a range now where seeing some running backs creeping in as wide receivers, Elijah Moore, David Njoku of Cleveland as well. Antonio Gibson a little bit further down. AJ Dillon, somebody I've not found myself really clicking on this year. Any of these players, players you've ended up with a lot of, James? Uh, James Cook's the guy I've been high on. Uh, AJ Dillon's actually a guy I've been really high on. Um, so it's funny that we're on opposite ends there. So Gibson, I love like those are all guys that I want part of my portfolio. Um, uh, Elijah Moore would probably be my pick here. Kind of goes a crazy zoom in as we come back to it. Yeah, I like Elijah Moore. I think there's uh definite paths to failure for him, you know. it's particularly if something like DeAndre Hopkins ended up in Cleveland as well. But what he is when he hits on DraftKings is the type of receiver who could see seven receptions a game. And over here where you're getting a full point per reception, that can be really valuable. Um, so we'll be back up after this turn. Um, <laughs> Michael sort of apologizing for the Zay Jones pick there. Uh, was it Zay Jones he got off? Let's see that. So Zay Jones is another uh, guy. Like if I don't, if I have Lawrence and I don't get Zay Jones, I don't care. Like Zay Jones had his breakout last year. Like he's not gonna have that same season. It might be similar. Like, and last year you get him in the twentieth round. So, like I'm not sad. But I'd go. I like Charbonnet and Gibson here. So they'll and. Okay, well, uh, I'll let you call it Charbonnet or Gibson. Which one? Um, I'd probably go Charbonnet just because. Let's play for second half, even though Kenneth Walker is one of my favorites. But Yeah, I really like Kenneth Walker. Just It feels like I'm, I'm more confident in Charbonnet having a good season than I am Kenneth Walker. I think, like particularly at cost, it feels like Kenneth Walker, you know, he wasn't particularly good as a pass catcher. He was very good at, you know, getting the yardage that he needed and then occasionally creating big runs. But Charbonnet, if he is pass catching, then it's particularly on this on DK so, full PPR, it just feels easier. Uh question. So so before they drafted Charbonnet, where were you putting Walker in your rankings? I was taking Walker at the back end of round two. I yeah. think I, yeah. I wasn't quite high enough to push him into the middle. Um because it just it felt like 
there was a chance they'd take someone. I remember joking that, you know, mm. Pete Carroll's wet dream would be ending up being able to take Bijan Robinson and pair the two of them together. But yeah, I, I, <laughs> it's tricky because I do really like Kenneth Walker and he was a player I had a lot of last year. It felt like the market was inefficient on him and getting him in sort of like the ninth, tenth round at times was just such an easy pick. And he no. did me really well. And it, I think sometimes it's difficult when you've got a player who did really well for you one season, being able to detach from him the next year when things aren't quite as good is a little tricky and something I could probably do a little better with. Um, so we've got Michael asking, what's your take on A-Chain? He was really dropping a lot over the weekend. Yeah, he's been dropping because obviously the connections with Dalvin Cook and people expecting that Dalvin Cook could end up in Miami. How do you see that situation playing out, James? Do you think that it's worth taking any dips you can get on A-Chain? Uh, I, I think so. I think you want to get part – I think you want to buy into him. Uh, I mean, what was he? Was he second or third round? He was third round, right? I think third he was round. third round, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. yeah so I think it's just part of a portfolio. You want some of that. You want – the Dolphins are a solid team, good offense. Uh, yeah, we like Mostert and Wilson. Um, it could be crowded, like you think there could be three guys there, but I feel like all those guys are gonna get kind of rotate in. One's gonna get hurt, you know, and the other one's gonna step up. Um, that's why we love best ball because yeah. uh, we, we don't have to do the thinking there. We, we're betting on kind of player and our roster construction. Like, you want to draft him probably more as you're running back four, like right here, maybe we, if he falls to you, like it's a good pick for us, you know. Yeah, I think A-Chain's a player I find an easy click because he's lightning fast. Like, you know, I think he ran like a 4.3240. And those kind of players, they don't always require huge amounts of touches to have huge fantasy impact. But, you know, if Devin A-Chain gets on the field and suddenly rips off a 60-yard run, it's absolute quids in, as we would say, over in here in England. Mm -hmm. uh, we're back on the clock with Tyler Boyd, Khalil Herbert, Dalton Kincaid, Damian Harris, uh, Harris is my, Harris is my guy here. So Harris, I actually own more Harris than I do Nick Chubb. So, so Harris is somebody I have plenty of. Uh, I've got twenty one percent in this contest, twenty one percent on DraftKings, nineteen percent in this contest. So I'm more than happy to take him. So we're kind of we've got a two four five build now. So we're probably pretty well set at running back. Uh, we'll be back up in a second, and around this area, you know, we've got. Tight ends is kind of like a bit of a tight end hotspot with Dalton Kincaid, who's dropped 16 spots past his ADP. Then we've got a Conquo at right about his ADP. Cole Komet, Greg Dulcich. Yeah, so you're gonna hate, you're gonna hate my you're gonna hate my suggestion here. Then <laughs> <laughs> let's hear. Oh, see, I was gonna say Herbert. So I was gonna say Herbert, and then we're done at running back. Um, my next one would be Boyd. So that would be my next choice on this board. Um, I will send you the 10 bucks because I think we should not draft a tight end until the last four picks and just take four tight ends. I'm completely down with that, James. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, Tyler Boyd goes to pick before us. So back to the drawing board. There's I mean, we can wipe that out and you could take. I like Cole Komet a lot. And I like, I mean, you could we go can, one of these. Oh, Gallup. Get Gallup. Let's take Gallup. Yeah, yeah, I like that. It gives us a little stack. You know, it's something. Yeah, you're going to have nightmares if you didn't get a stack. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would have shoehorned it into the end some way or another. Um, 
got Lunda in the chat says, I do like Chardonnay at these prices. I think there's a good chance he has fewer touches and walk, but just as many fantasy points. I think that's a great point. You know, it's like how how players score when they do score is always worth considering. Um, got surplus in the chat as well, saying Gallup, baby. I find myself really drawn to Gallup this year because, you know, last year he was going several rounds higher and he was coming off his ACL injury. This year, he's a further year removed from an ACL injury. We know that's something that can help a lot of players out. You know, it's just basic common sense, really. Mm. But it's just nobody seems to want to draft him. But it's like, well, I'll t- I'll take the dip all year. Of course, we've got Goblin in the chat as well. Big guy yeah. fan. I, I think, I mean, I've said this before on my timeline. Uh, I, I think Gallup's going to outscore Brandon Cook's. And like that's I don't know I just like Gallup at the price. Um, I'm willing to take the price difference between Cooks and Gallup and go Gallup. And I don't think that should even be like you know a hot take. I think for me that just seemed sensible and like in many ways I'm surprised that they're being drafted differently to that. And yeah, I'll keep saying you know you look up here. Brandon Cooks went at the back end of the seventh round. Five rounds later, you're talking about Michael Gallup. And Michael Gallup, last year, he had fewer deep targets than he'd had in several years. Uh, It seemed like, you know, the Cowboys weren't using him quite that same way. But Noah Brown's moved on now, and it feels like it's ripe for Michael Gallup to be the deep target again. And love me some deep target wide receivers when uh, it comes to best ball, uh, you know. I think, it's a, I think it's another thing people are just out on the Cowboys passing game. So, like, people don't want to gallop. Um, Cooks is just, I don't know. Cooks is just a guy to me, and it's fine. But he's not exciting in best ball for me. I think there's a very real chance for what we saw from Cooks last year wasn't entirely down to the situation just with the Texans, you know. I mean, he mm-hmm. progressed in loads of categories and loads of efficiency metrics and Yes, Davis Mills wasn't as good as he was the previous year, and the Texans really struggled at times. But would I be surprised if Brandon Cooks just looked old this year and wasn't able to recreate the magic that he'd had at earlier points? Not at all. Um, we're kind of getting to a few picks away, but if you're here and if you're not subscribed, do me a favor, hit that subscribe button. We are on the path to 800. I need 11 of you to go and hit that button tonight so we go to 800 and I can go get some sleep. Um, when we get back to our pick, so we're at two four six zero. I think you know we can look. We've got Bijan Robinson. So is he the kind of running back that you'd handcuff with Tyler Algier? I know that's something you spoke about at times this off season. Um, personally, probably not. But at a cost, like if Algier, if we don't make Algier pick here, and next we come around the next turn and he's still there, I'm like, oh yeah, okay, that's fine. I think the other running back who stands out to me is Tank Bigsby, who you mentioned earlier. I mean, obviously, it's it gives a minor stack with Trevor yeah. Lawrence, but uh, and then Michael took Tank. Yeah, Bigsby. yeah, Tank, Tank was the guy I wanted there for your Lawrence <laughs> stack, and I think uh, Naked Lawrence is fine because he he could yeah. run, rush for six touchdowns, you know. So um, anybody standing out for you? There's Devin Singletree a bit lower, Roshan Johnson, Raheem Mostert, um, 10 seconds. I like MVS for just a spike week guy. Like, it's a guy you don't need, but it's like a luxury pick on this team. Yeah. I, and I think you know, he goes off two weeks for you, and, you know, it's fine. And maybe one of those is the playoff weeks. 
Okay, so we're back on the clock again. Uh, do you want to take a running back here and be done with the position? We take most of the single tree. Single Terry is my guy. Um, you could do Roshan if you just want to keep doing the rookie thing. Uh, let's go single tree. I really like him. I think you know they'll be playing Tennessee twice in the playoffs, which I don't expect Tennessee to be great. So it's a bet that I'm quite happy to make, and I think you know. Damien Pierce showed last year he kind of struggled a bit down the stretch. Matt, thank you very much for subscribing. One close to 800. I should get some sleep tonight. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Marcus Valdez-Scantling's one, which I know he burned people last year. I mean, the height got pushed too far, and I was definitely guilty of expecting him to deliver a bit more than he did. But the thing with Marcus Valdez-Scantling was that he stayed on the field for the Chiefs. He rarely came off the field. He ran routes at a higher um, percentage than like Juju Smith-Schuster and obviously Sky Moore. And if Kadarius Tony struggles through injury, which wouldn't surprise anyone, then Valdez-Scantling still has a role to play. And, you know, what, five, six rounds cheaper than last year? I'm okay with that. I mean, you know, this feels like a fair price for somebody of Valdez-Scantling's sort of talents. Yeah, so the Chiefs are tough, right? No one knows what to do and value those receivers. And I, I feel like Tony, I feel like Rice, and uh, who's the other dude? Uh, Sky Moore. Yeah, Sky Moore. Like all three of those guys, they're really hard names to click. I, I cannot click them. MVS, he's later picked them all. He's a, pretty much a later pick all of them, kind of side by side with Rice, I guess. But. He's just easy, especially as your wide receiver six, um, seven in a best yeah. ball draft where you're looking for spike weeks. The guy, isn't he 10 million bucks he's getting paid? He has, you're getting a piece of Mahomes there. Um, I just think it's perfect kind of player for, for your uh, best ball construction. So that that's, that's kind of why I like him. I think there's a lot less risk than, I think Tony's one of the worst picks right now in best ball. I think if, DeAndre Hopkins ended up taking a small deal so that he could get to somewhere like the Chiefs. Kadarius Tony's ADP would plummet. Marcus Valdez-Scandling's ADP probably wouldn't drop too far down. I mean, that's kind of how I read the situation. Um, so we'll yeah. back up in a couple of picks here. You know, it's an area where there's a couple of quarterbacks, CJ Stroud, Brock Purdy, but we talked about how we were kind of okay with what we've got. Alec Pierce at wide receiver, Curtis Samuel, Ezekiel Elliott, Hunter Renfro, Chase Brown, Kenny Alec, Gainwell. Alec Pierce and Gainwell are guys that I like here. Let's go Alec Pierce. He's somebody I've not drafted so far this season, but I'm not okay, sure what, why. What's our build right now? So, are we so two... we're at 2580. So we've got one, two, three, four, five picks left. So do you want to start looking at tight end now or do you want to push that down and really just hammer that with our last four picks? Um, yeah, your call. So I don't know. Who's at tight end right now? Uh, at tight end, we could take Hayden Hurst. No, no, all these guys are the same. Don't do not do tight end. Cool. So we could take Gus Edwards, Kenny Gainwell. Let's take Kenny Gainwell and be done there. So now we've got two, six, eight, zero. So... Out of the last four picks, we can just use them all on tight ends if that's yeah. So I doing. would just throw up your queue here with tight ends. That's what I do right now, and you could walk away from this draft, put like fifteen tight ends in your queue, and you're done. Boom, gone to your next draft. <laughs> do you find that there's any of these kind of uh, tight ends that you've been clicking on routinely more often than others? 
So you you don't do rankings, obviously, because uh, none of these guys are in rankings. No, I don't. I find I probably should load my rankings in because I do my rankings for Fantasy Pros Expert Consensus Rankings from my website. But okay, I just now, find now let's, like, at, now let's look at your queue, and we'll take some of these guys out that are awful. <laughs> okay, so Hayden Hurst, Tyler Conklin, Zach Ertz. So get Zach Ertz out of there. Yeah, Isaiah Likely, Luke Musgrave, Jake Ferguson, Noah Fan, Trey McBride, Hunter Henry, Jelani Woods, Kato Orton, DeAndre yeah. Washington. Washington's off there. CJ's yeah. out of there. Oliver's out of there. Coons out Coons? of there. Oh, here's here's a fun. We didn't get any anybody on the. Uh, on the Trevor Lawrence, but they have that other rookie, that strange kid. Like he could be a twentieth round guy if you are desperate for a for a stack there. Like, um, I I don't think I've drafted him yet, but it's just it's just a thought. <laughs> yeah, I kind of I get to this point in the draft, and it's like I think a player like that, I'm fine for only twentieth round pick of virtually anyone, and mm-hmm. doing it in the way of stacks definitely makes as much sense as anything. Um, but yeah, I just yeah, get to this kind of point in the draft sometimes, and it's like, well, if I'm not confident about a position, how many dart throws do you want? So depending on what the first one or two tight ends we are, yeah. I'd definitely be all right then going real dart throw with it. Um, let's yeah. see I, where tight ends are. We've seen Mike Gesicki go off. We've seen Taysom Hill, Michael Mayer. Have you been drafting much of a rookie tight ends this year, James? Uh, rookie tight end. Oh, I love the Green Bay rookie tight end. He's one who's always there in the last round or two. So he's one probably I'm higher on. Uh, I love Kincaid, but I he's like zero percent ownership for me. He's a Utah guy, so yeah, I've watched some on the Utes a lot, and I like him. And they have another guy, Brent Keefe's coming out too. So yeah, I like the tight ends out of Utah. So I like him, but Dawson Knox is a great value, so I'm not passing that up. Yeah, I, I've been clicking much more Knox and Kincaid. I think yep. the hype seems to have come back a bit, but like I was in drafts a couple of weeks ago and seeing Kincaid going in the back end of the ninth round, early tenth round, and that just just seems like crazy. There's very easy paths for failure, and even if he succeeds, what does it look like? You know, is he going to give you more than six points per game? Um, so yeah, I think if I've got Josh Allen. I probably would be more open to doing it, but I'd also be more open to just passing him by and picking up Dawson Knox two rounds later. So yeah. since our last pick, we've we've only seen Tyler Conklin go off the board so far in terms of tight ends. Uh, God, shout out to JJ Harper. Appreciate you being here and checking us out. Hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Uh, like I say, we'll be back on Wednesday with Colm of Rovizat talking all things kind of zero RB and how he's finding zero RB landscape and getting him to dive into a DraftKings draft, which he's very much just been in the FFPC and on the dog streets, which should be good fun. Seeing in terms of the wide receivers, uh, Matt Collins, Wondell Robinson, Hunter Renfro, Chase Claypool, Greg Dorch. And when you see stuff like that, I'm kind of fine with being done with wide receiver by this point in the draft, because these guys are all, you know, they feel very replaceable really. Yeah, and I, I don't I don't think this is how you want to draft every draft, but it's it's kind of like a fun way. I've been drafting on DraftKings. Um, I think I was on your stream when you had Pat, Pat on, and I kind of did the same thing. So, uh, okay. so yeah, we're, we're, back, 
we're back up. Hayden Hurst, Isaiah Likely, Luke Musgrave all there. It feels like... I'd probably go Hurst. Let's go Hurst. I, I'm kind of fine with that. I think, you know, by now we've seen what he is. But in that Carolina offense, there's no reason Hayden Hurst couldn't, you know, command a decent target share when you're talking about Adam Phelan and DJ Chark and Mingo. It's definitely not imposing. Um, back up, do you want to take Luke Musgrave or Isaiah Likely or Jake Ferguson for a bit of a Cowboy stack? Yeah, let's go Ferguson. You missed on the Lawrence stack, so at least you'll have two guys here. <laughs> well, we've got little bits of Week 17 correlation you can see over here. We've not gone crazy with it in this draft, and, but I like what we've got. We've got Garrett Wilson against Elijah Moore. It's a bit of a revenge game narrative for Elijah Moore, that one. We've got Najee Harris against Zach Charbonnet, so you've got a rookie who could be coming on strong down stretch. San Francisco at Washington. That could easily be a blowout, so perhaps Jahan Dotson's getting plenty of deep shots. And then we've got Trevor Lawrence correlated with Hayden Hurst for whatever that's worth as well. So, no, I mean, I like this team. You know, it's definitely – it's different to how I build a team, but I think that's one of the real values in doing stuff like this and drafting with different people. It it definitely just helps open up your mind to different stuff. And when you look back at your teams at the end of the season and you see what worked and what didn't work, that can be the point where you open your eyes to it. Like, I – was digging through the DraftKings data recently and of the teams who made the final, it was almost an identical percentage of robust RB teams to zero RB teams in a year which was supposed to be fantastic for zero RB teams. So I'm definitely trying to be more draft draft by, I guess, as would be uh, the word that Davis might say. So we're... Uh, <laughs> It's like I, I sometimes feel like I get a little too glued to constructions and certain theories and bits like that. Is there anything you feel like you kind of have to pull yourself away from doing, or you know, points where you're taking five and looking at your teams and looking at your stuff and saying, All right, I need to stop doing that and start trying to mix things up a bit more? Oh, for sure. Just uh, when you're, when you're drafting at a high volume, um, the reason you started drafting is because it's fun. <laughs> but when you start doing it and everything looks exactly the same, it's it's no longer fun. So to bring that to bring that back, um, and then mix it up and kind of give you different combos of players and whatnot, and to kind of get your ownership at a level that you like um, with each player, so you're not too high or too low on certain players. Yeah, you, you just you always mix it up. Do five. You know, like you know what these next five, I'm gonna build four tight ends at the end i don't care what tight ends they are um just younger guys that i maybe i think have a shot at touchdowns or whatnot or i don't know just try different things i, I a lot in the puppy too there i started doing uh kelsey kelsey mahomes starts and then i'd followed up with andrews and tried to get lamar as well like anytime i got a middle pick that's how i'd start my drafts so and and those were fun i like those builds yeah, I, I love what you're saying because it, beyond all else, it just it needs to be fun. Um, so we're back on Noah Fance at the top on ADP, Hunter Henry, Jelani Woods. Yeah, no, then... Noah Fance, my guy. He gives you your Najee thing too. I guess you got a week 17 thing going there. Yeah, yeah, a little bit more correlation and nothing that we've had to chase to get it either. But I think when now, you know, you're talking about like not so long ago, tight end felt like a real weakness, but between Hayden Hurst, Noah Fan, Jake Ferguson, and whoever we pick here. Yeah, I'm... so 
so now you can still get a Hunter Henry or yeah, like Hunter Henry's pretty good last pick in a four tight end build. So now you just want you want a touchdown on if any of those four guys and you're you're fine. <laughs> exactly that. So I mean, you know, people are kind of just assuming that Mike Gesicki's gonna steal all the tight end snaps, but New England will run two tight ends on the field at a time. They'll use Mike Gesicki hopefully in a way that suits him more as that big slot type receiver and Potentially, both him and Henry can be doing well for the team, and it wouldn't surprise me if Hunter Henry finished with more touchdowns than Mike Kosicki. That could easily be there. We've got a question from Lunda in the chat. Let's say a 150 max contest. Is there a minimum you'd enter versus skipping it? Do you feel like it's, you know, is 25 BBMs worth it? From my point of view, I think if you can get to about 30 in a 150 max, obviously you'd be less EV compared to people who are maxing it because just by nature we've got more entries and more chances to win but 30 gives you a reasonable portfolio is that how you see it james or do you need to be all or nothing on a lot of these contests um my philosophy last year was is if underdog's going to release a five dollar contest i'm going to max it regardless if i have to do it in one day like that was just my thing <laughs> um this year the way i'm looking at it is i think i'll still be on that on the five dollars like Anything above five dollars, I'm probably going to be like, you know, I don't, I don't need to do 150, or I don't need to do 150 of these rookies and sophomores. You know, I can do, you know, 25 to 50 of them and feel good about that. So I'm changing it up that way, and I just feel like the industry's growing. There's going to be so many more tournaments offered, um, and I don't need to try to be a hero in every single contest that comes out. Yeah, I think it's a great point. I think it's, you know. If you're at a point where it's like, you know, you're making good teams and you're making teams that you're happy with, then that can sometimes be a worth a lot more than trying to just get as many as possible. Because come August, I mean, the sweat is going to be on to try and get as many teams as we can before these contests close. There'll be overlay probably on drafters and DraftKings. And it gets tricky. So I'd rather build good teams that I was happy with than just try and get sheer volume in and hope that I get lucky on stuff when I'm not entirely confident in it. Um, so that's that's the end of the draft, and we've got the 2684 build. It's pretty regular room. There's one team which went on auto after having Josh Allen early and ended up with four quarterbacks. But we kind of talked about it. It's like I feel really happy with this team in terms of how it went because, you know, we had Bijan and Najee early and then left running back alone until round 10, hit on a few more running backs there, and then by round 16 we were done. Wide receiver, I kind of view eight as the minimum I'd be happy with on DraftKings because you do start three as well as having the flex. Mm -hmm. But how do you feel about this team, James? Uh, this is pretty similar to probably 60% of my builds. So this is kind of how I do Um I just think it's a solid way to give you a shot at good players. Uh, you try to focus more upside, higher, maybe higher ceiling. Maybe we didn't hit that with all our players, um, but it's more of a construction build as well where we're looking at spots in the draft where there's value, and that's kind of how we attacked it. Uh, DK, you need to know the draft rooms, and that's why I was kind of more on the two QBs right there. I know it was kind of early maybe for a deck. We should have just waited and got somebody else. But I kind of like the combo there. Uh, 
if you look at the bottom of the draft and the reason, and I think this is going to shift, you're going to see this move. Like these tight ends are going to bump up because I think 20 rounds, most people are going to start taking three tight ends. So it's going to be harder to get these guys like this. So, but my, my way of thinking is when you took Pierce and Gainwell, so those are your last two at that position. Look at all the other teams. Like you got a guy taking, like, I don't know. Or Robert Woods and Shakir or Malik yeah. Davis. And like, I just don't like those last three rounds as so much that, at wide receiver yeah. and running back. I mean, that team hadn't taken a wide receiver since round eight and then try to make up for it in volume there. That feels a lot trickier than what we did with tight end. Um, I've got a question from Alex in the chat here. If you're 50 50 on two QBs, do you ever take their defense into consideration? Example, QB1 has a better defense and should get the ball more, or QB2 has a bad defense, so it seems to be an issue out. Is that something you ever think about, James? I mean, that's a that's a good way to look at it. If you if you're going in depth like that, yeah, I think that's any any kind of little edge you can find. I'm all for it, and yeah, I don't I don't think that far in depth. So yeah, I like that one. Yeah, I, it can be tricky projecting defense and sort of what's going to happen, but I think that's more tricky at the top end. You know, teams like you know the Jets, it, they could regress on defense after having a really good team last year, but. When you're talking about teams at the bottom who are clearly in tank, I mean, you know, name an Arizona Cardinals cornerback name, right, you know, right. it gets very tricky. <laughs> so that's definitely something I think you know you can consider for them. And uh, I've found myself clicking Kyler Murray a little more often. Um, but yeah, so we'll wrap things up there. Um, before we get out of here, James, do you want to tell the people where they can find you and if you've got anything coming down the line with football guys? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to refine my, just tune up my rankings there. So hopefully I get that. But once I get them all updated, I'll shout out on Twitter and people can check them out if you're interested. Uh, I would like to get to a point where I just have those available for free to anyone. They can just do the CSV upload. You don't have to give me a dollar. I don't, I don't care. I'd share my rankings gladly, but thing with rankings for me, I'm drafting those five teams or I draft 10 to 20 teams a day. Um, I update my rankings about three times a day, maybe sometimes like they're always changing. Um, I see a lot of people just don't ever put that in there and they just draft off ADP. Um, uh, I've tried it a couple of times. So I don't know how you guys do that. So <laughs> I think for me, it's, it's one where I want to be in tune with DraftKings, particularly, ADP plays such a big part of it. My rankings differ so much from it that mm -hmm. when I put them in there, there's just certain players who I end up getting and certain players I don't. And I will get around to putting them in at some point because there's players I want to be more aggressive on. But yeah, it's just, I'm quite happy because I draft the vast majority of my teams just on DraftKings. Mm -hmm. Get to know how you view each round and you get to know how you view each player. And yeah, and as a, I'm a solo drafter at a time. So for me, it becomes quite, once you've done a good portion of you know, it's like anything with drafting, you just get to know the draft board really. Right. Yeah. And I think once, maybe once every month or two, I'll, I'll show, like I break down underdog ADP or the current ADP and then I'll get my exposures and I'll, I'll line it up with like first round all the way to 18th round, what exposures each player I have. And then I can look here, my top three in each round or my bottom three, I don't have any exposure. 
I don't know if you know anybody out there in the industry can put together like a template of that. Like that would be, I think, I think those kind of things are kind of cool for people to, to look at more so. Um, and then for volume drafters, if you're a volume drafter, like stuff like that's super valuable. Like I don't know if any site has that out there, but maybe. I yeah, no, I think that's, but it's definitely interesting, man. That's uh, something to mull over. So before we get out of here, if you're not subscribed already, please do just leave me that subscribe. Leave me a comment. Tell us what you thought about the team we drafted. Are you leaving tight end till really late in the draft like we did? Or do you feel like we got crazy with it? Shout out to Michael Davis, surplus of cash. Everyone in the chat, Nobo, really appreciate you dropping by. Alex, JJ, thanks a lot. We're going to be back again very soon. We've got loads more best ball content coming. Rich dropped a new Dynasty show today. Go check that out. We'll catch you soon.